0: Hi guys, my gals, and my non-binary pals, everyone's welcome along in to this brand new episode of the Peter Greenwood Show podcast. My name is Peter Greenwood, and you may be saying to yourself, what happened to the Glasgow Film Festival? You were covering that, you did a bunch of stuff, you posted about it a lot on social media, so where's the material? Well, I am bringing you the material. We are starting today with one of the best interviews, possibly... I've definitely done this year so far. I know it's only March, but one of the best interviews I've done so far this year, possibly on this show. We will see. I'm going to be introducing you to a man called Joe Corey and his director, Nigel Askew, and they put together a documentary called Wake Up Punk. And I'm going to leave the rest for them to explain. Stay tuned for this. (laughs) This is the Peter Greenwood Show, and I'm in a top-secret location. I'm in the Double Tree Hilton, just off Renfrew Street in Glasgow. To my... around the table, with me... The word legends is used a lot in society these days, but I am sitting opposite two actual factual legends. Could we go around and could you tell me your names, please, gentlemen? Um,
1: I'm Nigel Askew. I'm not sure. uh, uh, (laughs) My legend's more Neuriety (laughs) than legend. (laughs) Nigel (laughs) Askew. But yeah, Nigel Askew. And I'm Joseph Coray.
0: How are you today, gentlemen? Are you well? Well, Yeah. Yeah.
1: Pleased to be here in Glasgow.
0: Have you gone to see much of the festival?
1: Unfortunately, we only arrived this morning, but uh I was really excited to be here really you know and get the film
0: launched and get on with it let's talk about the film. It is called Wake up Punk. What is this film and where did it come from what's its origin story
2: uh well um where did it come from it came it originally started from uh what was it, the year,
1: Nigel? No, I think it was 2016. 2016. When what then. happened was the government started to celebrate anarchy in the UK, which uh, Joe thought was completely ridiculous. And his, when he, they asked him what he was going to do, he said he's going to burn the clothes, £5 million, which outraged everybody, <laughs> Yeah, which, which yeah. is sort of the punk thing to do. I mean, That's I just did
2: find it... Uh, I found it more an opportunity to use to say something else, really, because they would. They decided they were going to have this year-long kind of festival of punk. Um, you know, all the brands came out and decided what punk things they were going to do, from punky hamburgers to punk beer to, you know, bondage trousers at Louis Vuitton and all the rest of it. And um, it did feel like an opportunity to actually stand up and say something because nobody else was um at the time all the old sort of punky people were all sort of going around seeing whether they could get a gig advising some institution or something or some brand about what they could do that was a bit punk and everyone was bringing out a book and everyone was you know i don't know it all felt a bit um it all felt very stale um and when the museum of london started putting up a fake plasterboard walls and doing workshops for children on how to be a punk and giving people you know cans of spray paint so they could you know spray puke on the wall or something i just thought it was ridiculous um so yeah i may i thought well it's an opportunity to talk about something else other than punk really but to use punk to do it um and for me, that the opportunity was to ask people what they really valued. Um, and everyone got completely riled up by the idea of me burning these this memorabilia, not about what the memorabilia was particularly, but what really got people was that it was worth five million pounds so. You know, I kind of used that to then take the ashes of that burn and turn them into a piece of artwork priced at six million pounds, and that's how the kind of film came about. Because we started from that point, and I guess uh, you know, along that journey, started looking at well, what was punk really about, and what are or were the kind of similarities between what was going on then in the 1970s, what's going on now, and what's, what's it all come to mean, and what relevance does it have anymore? Um, and so, that's kind of how the film started, and then four years later, mm. here
1: we are. I mean, I haven't talked about it before, have I really, but something made me think about it. It was, you know, my, my I very much, admired the Sex Pistols and I thought they were my heroes and during the making of this film I found out that they're not my heroes and they're not punks (laughs) and they're not, they are worried about what people say about them and they wouldn't even let us use a 45 year old film that Joe's dad made because they, you know, a minute of it because they were too scared on what we might say about them which is not punk and I was very disappointed (laughs) from that point of view.
2: Yeah, well, that's the thing, I think, is that it just sort of became a pose, punk. And um, in the end, it's just a four-letter word that doesn't really mean very much. I was walking down the road today, there's, what are they called? Punk, punky pizzas, or something. There's (laughs) pizza punks. (laughs) Pizza punks. (laughs) Anyway, I don't know. I guess it's just come to mean this idea of some sort of alternative to the norm, but actually it is the norm, and it sort of reminds me of, I don't know, the sort of teddy boys in the 1970s and the football supporters that wanted to bash your head in for looking alternative, that's what it sort of seems to have become, it's become very mainstream, and, um, you know, punk wasn't originally about that, it was uh The best thing about it in the 1970s was that it really provided a sanctuary for people who felt they didn't fit in to society and there was no future for them in the society that they were living in. Um, And it didn't matter whether you were homosexual, whether you were disabled, whether you were a prostitute, whether you were, whatever you were, rent boy, whatever, you know, that, that, that was irrelevant didn't matter whether you came from a rich background or a poor background or anything. You were kind of accepted because everybody hated you, you know.
0: And when it came to filming, how was the filming process and how much did you film that then got cut down into the movie?
1: Well, we actually filmed an awful lot. We had... Uh, 40 terabytes, so that's quite a lot of film. That's a, that, that's a
0: good, good that, amount. Uh,
1: you know, it was in 4K, so that sort of cuts the hours down. But I can't remember how many exact hours that was, but it's an awful lot of editing and an awful lot of uh, time of choosing what's going to go in and what's not going in. And it was quite a long process, you know, a very long process, um, to make it all work together. Because we had four, you know, we wanted a film about activism and... A, and you know, how to make that work within a punk film was quite an ordeal. I mean, I think that was the thing for me, is
2: that I wouldn't have really been interested in making a film about punk and about my family and all of that at all, really. It was about asking people to ask themselves that question about what do they really value, and to encourage them to get off their arse and kind of say, well, activism is the new punk. And that's why it was interesting to me, and I, you know, Nigel came up with, like, certain devices to be able to tell that story. One of them, which I think's really, um, kind of original uh, in terms of filmmaking, was the this idea to use these sort of Dickensian urchins um, in this sort of Oliver Twist type environment and story. And I think he became interested in doing that because of, Malcolm's, uh, you know, delight in playing the villain always. And, um, you know, his kind of hero was Fagin out of Oliver Twist, you know, and that's, that kind of sort of fitted in with it, really. Um, I don't
1: know. No true not Yeah, I mean, it gave Malcolm a voice because I thought he was a little bit talked about, but didn't really, <coughs> he wasn't you know, he's not alive to, to, to actually have his say. So I think it gave a bit more onus on him and he took quite a lot of stick in the film as well i think he quite i mean it wasn't intentional but it just seemed to have come out that way a little bit yeah maybe not sometimes you got to look at all sides of him which you did actually say at one point but it didn't actually go in because it just I well think it's very
2: hard to try and get the sort of you're gonna uh, get the whole picture the sense of somebody's character in that kind of hour and a half um you know, when you're talking about so many different characters, so many different issues, whatever, everybody else's point of view. But I do think that overall um, this film shows a sort of different side to Punk, to the people that were involved in it, the reasons why. different side of things than people have seen before in other films. Um, And, uh, yeah, I don't know, I mean... You see, I kind of grew up with the idea of, from Malcolm, that he, he always sort of relied on this idea of it's good to be bad. So, you know, when a film comes out and it doesn't make him look that great, I, I know that, uh, that he would have quite liked that, you know. So it's... it's uh, anyway, it's a different perspective on, I think, what people have seen before. And there's been so much crap written about malcolm over the years and a lot of that originated from him you know he he preferred to kind of build his myth rather than tell the truth um and was a kind of sort of you know barnum and bailey type of character and he he liked that and he cultivated that impression around him but the real person behind that there's not not a lot of uh there's not been a lot published or filmed or whatever that really tells that story, and you get a bit of a snapshot at it in this film, but that's about all you can give it because to try and cram all of that information into an hour and a half is really impossible. And I think Nigel's done a great job in um, in trying to tell at least some of some of that story. You know,
0: I'd like to ask. <coughs> it seemed to me, in what I've learned over the years, and looked into and specifically in studying for this film that if you'd say to malcolm the sky is blue he'd say no it's not it's green just for the sake of Mm. not the argument but the conversation the debate about it how important was it to get the accurate side of malcolm in the film
2: well i mean it became important depending on the bits or aspects of his character that sort of came through i mean nigel was saying before um you know how difficult it was you know I, 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 there was a cut an original cut of the film where there were certain scenes from like the rock and roll swindle um which was very much malcolm's film Um, it got taken away from him and re-edited and put together by Julian Temple and it turned out to be a bit of a mess really as a film but nevertheless there's so many bits in there that kind of look interesting and start to tell an interesting story that never goes anywhere but we wanted to use a few of those clips and um, I think you would have probably got a a stronger indication of Malcolm's character through being able to use them. But then the Sex Pistols wouldn't agree for us to be able to use any of it because they were worried that, you know, we were going to kind of repeat the narrative that Malcolm always repeated about them, which was that they were like these kind of Bits of clay that he used to model his artwork, you know, like they were these sort of pawns in the game and You know, they don't feel that they were but in many ways they actually were um, at the time. That's the truth of it Um, but they you know They want to protect their image these days and they they, <laughs> they they said that if we sign something to say that there's nothing in the film that's gonna show them in any derogatory way then we might be able to use something. And it, we, I think that was the final straw, wasn't it? We just thought it's so ridiculous. Get over it. What's the problem with someone having a different opinion to yours, you know? It's uh, anyway I
0: don't wish to be rude but as you said that doesn't sound very punk
2: no no I don't think you know anyway I don't know to them I think it's just it's just a business these days it's where they still manage to get a few royalties or do a few deals or whatever you know Um, it pays the rent I guess but no no, I don't think there's been anything punk about the Sex Pistols for a long time And Johnny Rotten hasn't had anything interesting to say for over 40 years, you know.
0: I'd like to ask, and I don't mean this in any kind of rude way, please forgive me if it comes across as that way, but you two gentlemen are of an older generation than myself, yeah. and you were bang in the centre of the punk movement. Going through the film and everything that you filmed and everything that you've researched, how... what? conclusions did you come to about how this generation looks at punk and what it means to them and what it means to you, looking back on it?
2: Well, uh, I think that this generation looks at... uh, it's become... it's a pose, you know. Punk isn't about bondage trousers, you know, and it's not about pink hair. And it's not about, you know, black makeup and Dr. Martin boots. It's not about that, and it's not even about music. It's about believing in yourself. It's about investigating for yourself and educating yourself. And in that way, you can invent yourself, yeah? that means you don't follow what everyone else is wearing you don't follow what everyone else is doing you actually find your own way and so if you take that about what punk is and then you apply that to what punks become you can see where the punks are and where they're not because the people that are walking around saying they're a punk and this, i don't think they know what they're talking about that doesn't mean that they're bad people it doesn't mean they don't look good it doesn't mean you know that they're not kind of aspiring to something that they think and maybe they'll find something out along the way you know i don't think it's necessarily bad, but I do think people need to wake up and understand that in some ways it's the older generation that are kind of sadder, you know, than the younger ones when I see them, because, you know, there's sort of people, when you talk about our age, like me and Nigel, it's, you know, the Iggy Pop car insurance is directed at us, right? I'm supposed to go Yeah, I've got to have that Iggy Pop car insurance because that's like kind of, you know, I mean, it's so obvious. But, yeah, it's been one of the most successful advertising campaigns for car insurance that they've ever had, right? So why is that? You know, it's like people are, you know, (coughs) of our age that feel like somehow they got cheated and they've ended up in a kind of situation where they still feel like they wanna be able to rebel against something by having punk car insurance. And that's a bit pathetic, you know?
0: Yeah, I can't imagine if you're sitting on the M1 in a traffic jam and you're like, oh, I've got 45 minutes to get to the office and get my cup of tea before I sit down and do my work from 9 to 5, that Iggy Pop's the one who's going to get me through it.
2: Well, even worse than that, you can have a Nevermind the Bollocks credit card that you can turn up to McDonald's and get a punky hamburger with your punky coffee on the way whilst you're driving your car with your punky car insurance, you know. (laughs)
0: What is next for the film after the Glasgow Film Festival? Where are you taking it, and what is there going to be a future release for it on home media?
1: Yeah, I think at the moment it's uh, it's going to be a showing in Regent Street in the big cinema there uh, in May, and then it at the moment in London, going, right? in London, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. in London, um, and then it's going to go out. It's been on you know general release, and we'll. Find out where it's going to go it depends on the success of the film and what people make of it, because it is a, a little bit controversial. It's not been done in a normal way, you know, and it's not a normal format. So hopefully, people will appreciate the the difference and the message.
2: Yeah, I think. I mean, it's definitely um, going out on digital release. I know that, and maybe some limited cinema release, and then I don't know what's happening internationally with it at the moment. Because to be honest, I think. Nigel I just quite pleased that the film's finished and we're able to show it here I and mean, it wasn't finished very long ago I mean it's we only actually finished it what a couple of weeks ago really, well, really? a couple of months I think now that, so it does fly when were we at that farm thing with Adam that wasn't a couple oh of months yeah ago. we had that to redo was, the sound yeah, yeah we did the month sound
1: ago at the most that's right we had to redo the sound because <coughs> yeah anyway you know, I don't know so it's been you know <laughs> it's been get you
0: know so it was all more. on the beat <laughs> <laughs> and this, I'm just asking this as somebody who's very curious about the time, who wants to research the time. Will any of the extra footage that you shot be released anywhere? Well, Is I hope a sequel? So.
1: I really hope so, because the footage of Vivian talking about the clothes with Ben and Joe, I mean, there was so much to choose from there. She was really at her best. And I'm sure that's going to come out one day uh, and be released as a long-form of some or some description yeah and also i think you know the burning as well there's a lot of footage around that and uh, there's there's yeah, So there's quite a bit filmed that i think will be used in the future
0: that's so exciting i'm very excited to see it because i wanted to ask a little bit about burning but i know you've been asked about it a million and one times so a million and two if i may <laughs> You said that people were more angry about the fact it was 5 million that was burned. And I remember it happening at the time. And I remember reading that people were outraged. People like Henry Rollins had an opinion on it. (laughs) Did that...
2: It's funny, isn't it, how all these punks are so reactionary. Did that
0: affect you at all? Any of the feedback, any of the comments that you got?
2: No. Don't affect me at all. I mean, that was the point. It was the point to upset people you got to understand that when I was a kid in the 70s and when the Sex Pistols were number one, particularly at the time of the Jubilee with God Save the Queen, we became like public enemy number one. You know, the National Front came around our house, smashed all our windows, fireworks coming through, the bit, smashed windows, turds through the letterbox, you know, death threats. You know, you'd go out the house and people literally want to kick your face in you know so does it bother me about uh, what's his name Henry Rollins no not at
1: all was his band Black a, Flag I, I think or a something. good point was when anybody we tried to do some interviews with people after that <laughs> no one would talk to us yeah. nobody they wouldn't dare even begin to think that they'd be associated with it and these were so called punks um, yeah. like that was, they wouldn't too worried about their image and too worried about being... and scared of being associated with Joe. When, yeah, yeah, that's how it is. Uh,
0: and where can people find out more about you online and about the film?
1: Um, I don't know about me online. I've, so I've kept a low profile most of my life. I think you can tile in my I'm name and some sure. odd you know, stuff comes up.
2: to have to ask Zach that question because uh, he's, he's handling all the distribution side of things. But... Um, I don't know. There must be something. <laughs> there is a website, something. You just have to search it.
1: I think on, on uh, Republic Films, uh, the, he's, it's on the website there. Is the it? Distribution, yeah. Okay. yeah. Uh, and I think to find out things about Joe's quite easy he's quite well publicised and myself I think if you google my names bits and pieces have come up of various campaigns with (laughs) Nigel Farage (laughs) fighting against him to stop him uh, getting elected Uh, Mm. and a bit with Boy George and a few films but generally I try to keep myself out of the
0: news when I did google you and this is going completely off on a tangent I apologise but when I did google you one of the things that came up was you driving a bus a custom double-decker bus
1: (laughs) (laughs) well that has been a few funny stories was I driving it Given ranting about punk rock, <laughs> yeah, yeah that was I, saw, I know. Right. I remember going to, to a job, and somebody brought this up. <laughs> <laughs> of course, I didn't quite get the job. I think it was Perdo Ricard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, that was uh, Malcolm's funeral. I drove the. I've got. I, I drive a double decker bus, and I do used to feed the homeless with it and we generally used to stick up for every sort of campaign that was going on that didn't really have anyone to stick up for them but uh we don't you know we're quite quieter now <laughs> not too quiet though As you will
0: hope not i cannot tell you how much of a privilege this has been for me to sit and chat to you two gentlemen thank you so much for your time today thank you So there we have it. Thank you to Nigel and Joe for joining me. Thank you to you for listening to this show. I'll be back tomorrow with another guest from the Glasgow Film Festival. Stay tuned. So much still to come this week. Until next time, hashtag Black Lives Matter. Buy every single body bag.